Chapter Twenty Five of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Twenty Five. O'Brien parts company to hunt for provisions, and I have other company in consequence of another hunt. O'Brien pathetically mourns my death and finds me alive. We escape. The ensuing morning we looked out anxiously for the promised assistance, for we were not very rich in provisions, although what we had were of a very good quality. It was not until three o'clock in the afternoon that we perceived a little girl coming towards us, escorted by a large mastiff. When she arrived at the copse of trees where we lay concealed, she cried out to the dog in Dutch, who immediately scoured the wood until he came to our hiding-place, when he crouched down at the entrance, barking furiously and putting us in no small dread lest he should attack us but the little girl spoke to him again and he remained in the same position looking at us wagging his tail with his underjaw lying on the snow she soon came up and looking underneath put a basket in and nodded her head we emptied the basket o'brien took out a napoleon and offered it to her she refused it but o'brien forced it into her hand upon which she again spoke to the dog who commenced barking so furiously at us that we expected every moment he would fly upon us the girl at the same time presenting the napoleon and pointing to the dog i went forward and took the napoleon from her at which she immediately silenced the enormous brute and laughing at us hastened away boy the powers that's a fine little girl said o'brien i'll back her and her dog against any man well i never had a dog set at me for giving money before but we live and learn peter and now let's see what she's brought in the basket we found half-boiled eggs bread and a smoked mutton ham with a large bottle of gin what a nice little girl i hope she will often favour us with her company i've been thinking peter that we're quite as well off here as in a midshipman's berth you forget that you are a lieutenant well so i did peter and that's the truth but it's the force of habit now let's make our dinner it's a new-fashioned way though of making a meal lying down but however it's economical for it must take longer to swallow the victuals the romans used to eat their meals lying down so i have read o'brien i can't say that i ever heard it mentioned in ireland but that don't prove that it was not the case so pater i take your word for it murder how fast it snows again i wonder what my father's thinking on just at this moment this observation of o'brien induced us to talk about our friends and relations in england and after much conversation we fell fast asleep the next morning we found the snow had fallen about eight inches and weighing down our upper blanket so much that we were obliged to go out and cut stakes to support it from the inside while we were thus employed we heard a loud noise and shouting and perceived several men apparently armed and accompanied with dogs running straight in the direction of the wood where we were encamped we were much alarmed thinking that they were in search of us but on a sudden they turned off in another direction continuing with the same speed as before what could it be said i to o'brien i can't exactly say peter but i should think that they were hunting something and the only game that i think likely to be in such a place as this are otters i was of the same opinion we expected the little girl but she didn't come and after looking out for her till dark we crawled into our hole and supped upon the remainder of our provisions the next day as may be supposed we were very anxious for her arrival but she did not appear at the time expected night again came on and we went to bed without having any sustenance except a small piece of bread that was left and some gin which was remaining in the flask 
peter said o'brien if she don't come again to-morrow i'll try what i can do for i've no idea of our dying of hunger here like the two babes in the wood and being found covered up with dead leaves if she does not appear at three o'clock i'm off for provisions and i don't see much danger for in this dress i look as much of a boor as any man in holland we passed an uneasy night as we felt convinced that either the danger was so great that they dare not venture to assist us or that being overruled they had betrayed us and left us to manage how we could the next morning i climbed up the only large tree in the copse and looked round especially in the direction of the farmhouse belonging to the woman who had pointed out to us our place of concealment but nothing was to be seen but one vast tract of flat country covered with snow and now and then a vehicle passing at a distance on the middleburg road i descended and found o'brien preparing for a start he was very melancholy and said to me peter if i am taken you must at all risks put on your girl's clothes and go to flushing to the cabaret the women there i am sure will protect you and send you back to england i only want two napoleons take all the rest you will require them if i am not back by to-night set off for flushing to-morrow morning o'brien waited some time longer talking with me and then it being past four o'clock he shook me by the hand and without speaking left the wood i never felt miserable during the whole time since we were first put into prison at toulon till that moment and when he was a hundred yards off i knelt down and prayed he had been absent two hours and it was quite dusk when i heard a noise at a distance it advanced every moment nearer and nearer on a sudden i heard a rustling of the bushes and hastened under the blanket which was covered with snow in hopes that they might not perceive the entrance but i was hardly there before in dashed after me an enormous wolf i cried out expecting to be torn to pieces every moment but the creature lay on his belly his mouth wide open his eyes glaring and his long tongue hanging out of his mouth and although he touched me he was so exhausted that he did not attack me the noise increased and i immediately perceived that it was the hunters in pursuit of him i had crawled in feet first the wolf ran in head foremost so that we lay head and tail i crept out as fast as i could and perceived men and dogs not two hundred yards off in full chase i hastened to the large tree and had not ascended six feet when they came up the dogs flew to the hole and in a very short time the wolf was killed the hunters being too busy to observe me i had in the meantime climbed up the trunk of the tree and hid myself as well as i could being not fifteen yards from them i heard their expressions of surprise as they lifted up the blanket and dragged out the dead wolf which they carried away with them their conversation being in dutch i could not understand it but i was certain that they made use of the word english the hunters and dogs quitted the copse and i was about to descend when one of them returned and pulling up the blankets rolled them together and walked away with them fortunately he did not perceive our bundles by the little light given by the moon i waited a short time and then came down what to do i knew not if i did not remain and o'brien returned what would he think if i did i should be dead with cold before the morning i looked for our bundles and found that in the conflict between the dogs and the wolf they had been buried among the leaves i recollected o'brien's advice and dressed myself in the girl's clothing but i could not make up my mind to go to flushing so i resolved to walk towards the farmhouse which being close to the road would give me a chance of meeting with o'brien i soon arrived there and prowled round it for some time but the doors and windows were all fast and i dared not knock after what the woman had said about her husband's inveteracy to the english at last as i looked round and round quite at a loss what to do i thought i saw a figure at a distance proceeding in the direction of the copse i hastened after it and saw it enter 
I then advanced very cautiously, for although I thought it might be O'Brien, yet it was possible that it was one of the men who chased a wolf in search of more plunder. But I soon heard O'Brien's voice, and I hastened towards him. I was close to him without his perceiving me, and found him sitting down with his face covered up in his two hands. At last he cried, "'Oh, Peter, my poor Peter, are you taken at last? Could I not leave you for one hour in safety? Oh, Hone, why did I leave you? My poor Peter, simple you were, sure enough, and that's why I loved you. But, Peter, I would have made a man of you, for you'd all the materials. That's the truth, and a fine man, too. Where am I to look for you, Peter? Where am I to find you, Peter?' you're fast locked up by this time and all my trouble's gone for nothing but i'll be locked up too peter where you are will i be and if we can't go to england together why then we'll go back to that blackguard hole and give it together o'brien spoke no more but burst into tears i was much affected with this proof of o'brien's sincere regard and i came to his side and clasped him in my arms o'brien stared at me who are you you ugly dutch frau for he had quite forgotten the woman's dress at the moment but recollecting himself he hugged me in his arms peter you come as near to an angel's shape as you can for you come in that of a woman to comfort me for to tell the truth i was very much distressed at not finding you here and all the blankets gone to boot what has been the matter i explained in as few words as i could well peter i'm happy to find you all safe and much happier to find that you can be trusted when i leave you for you could not have behaved more prudently now i'll tell you what i did which was not much as it happened i knew that there was no cabaret between us and flushing for i took particular notice as i came along so i took the road to middleburg and found but one which was full of soldiers i passed it and found no other as i came back past the same cabaret one of the soldiers came out to me but i walked along the road he quickened his pace and so did i mine for i expected mischief at last he came up to me and spoke to me in dutch to which i gave him no answer he collared me and then i thought it convenient to pretend that i was deaf and dumb i pointed to my mouth with an oh oh and then to my ears and shook my head but he would not be convinced and i heard him say something about english i then knew that there was no time to be lost so i first burst out into a loud laugh and stopped and on his attempted to force me i kicked up his heels and he fell on the ice with such a rap on a pate that i doubt if he has recovered it by this time there i left him and have run back as hard as i could without anything for peter to feel his little hungry inside with now peter what's your opinion for they say that out of the mouth of babes there is wisdom and although i never saw anything come out of their mouths with sour milk yet perhaps i may be more fortunate this time for peter you're but a baby not a small one o'brien although not quite as large as fingal's babby that you told me the story of my idea is this let us at all hazards go to the farmhouse they have assisted us and may be inclined to do so again if they refuse we must push on to flushing and take our chance well observed o'brien after a pause i think we can do no better so let's be off we went to the farmhouse and as we approached the door we were met by the great mastiff i started back o'brien boldly advanced he's a clever dog and may know us again i'll go up said o'brien not stopping while he spoke and pat his head if he flies at me i shall be no worse than i was before for depend upon it he will not allow us to go back again o'brien by this time had advanced to the dog who looked earnestly and angrily at him he patted his head the dog growled but o'brien put his arm round his neck and, and patting him again whistled to him and went to the door of the farmhouse 
the dog followed him silently but closely o'brien knocked and the door was opened by the little girl the mastiff advanced to the girl and then turned round facing o'brien as much as to say is he to come in the girl spoke to the dog and went indoors during her absence the mastiff laid down at the threshold in a few seconds the woman who had brought us from flushing came out and desired us to enter she spoke very good french and told us that fortunately her husband was absent that the reason why we had not been supplied was that a wolf had met her little girl returning the other day but had been beaten off by the mastiff and that she was afraid to allow her to go again that she heard the wolf had been killed this evening and had intended her girl to have gone to us early to-morrow morning that wolves were hardly known in that country but that the severe winter had brought them down to the lowlands a very rare circumstance occurring perhaps not once in twenty years but how did you pass the mastiff said she that has surprised my daughter and me o'brien told her upon which she said that the english were really this braves no other man had ever done the same so i thought for nothing would have induced me to do it o'brien then told the story of the death of the wolf with all particulars and our intention if we could not do better of returning to flushing i heard that pierre eustace came home yesterday said the woman and i do think that you will be safer at flushing than here for they will never think of looking for you among the casernes which join their cabaret will you lend us your assistance to get in i will see what i can do but are you not hungry about as hungry as men who have eaten nothing for two days mon dieu c'est vrai i never thought it was so long but those whose stomachs are filled forget those who are empty god make us better and more charitable she spoke to the little girl in dutch who hastened to load the table which we hastened to empty the little girl stared at our veracity but at last she laughed out and clapped her hands at every fresh mouthful which we took and pressed us to eat more she allowed me to kiss her until her mother told her that i was not a woman when she pouted at me and beat me off before midnight we were fast asleep upon the benches before the kitchen fire and at daybreak we were roused by the woman who offered us some bread and spirits and then we went out the door where we found the horse and cart all ready and loaded with vegetables for the market the woman the little girl and myself got in o'brien leading as before and the mastiff following we had learnt the dog's name which was achille and he seemed to be quite fond of us we passed the dreaded barriers without interruption and in ten minutes entered the cabaret of eustace and immediately walked into the little room through a crowd of soldiers two of whom chucked me under the chin who should we find there but eustace the pilot himself in conversation with his wife and it appeared that they were talking about us she insisting and he unwilling to have any hand in the business well here they are themselves eustace the soldiers who have seen them come in will never believe that this is their first entry if you give them up i leave them to make their own bargain but mark me eustace i have slaved night and day in this cabaret for your profit if you do not oblige me and my family i no longer keep a cabaret for you madame eustace then quitted the room with her husband's sister and little girl and o'brien immediately accosted him i promise you he said to eustace one hundred louis if you put us on shore at any part of england or on board of any english man-o'-war and if you do it within a week i will make it twenty louis more o'brien then pulled out the fifty napoleons given us by celeste for our own were not yet expended and laid them on the table harris this in advance to prove my sincerity say is it a bargain or not i never yet heard of a poor man who could withstand his wife's arguments backed with one hundred and twenty louis said eustace smiling and sweeping the money off the table i presume you have no objection to start to-night 
that will be ten louis more in your favour replied o'brien i shall earn them replied eustace the sooner i am off the better for i could not long conceal you here the young frau with you is i suppose your companion that my wife mentioned he has begun to suffer hardships early come now sit down and talk for nothing can be done till dark o'brien narrated the adventures attending our escape at which eustace laughed heartily the more so at the mistake which his wife was under as to the obligations of the family if i did not feel inclined to assist you before i do now just for the laugh i shall have at her when i come back and if she wants any more assistance for the sake of her relations i shall remind her of this anecdote but she's a good woman and a good wife to boot only too fond of her sisters at dusk he equipped us both in sailor's jackets and trousers and desired us to follow him boldly he passed the guard who knew him well what to see already said one you have quarrelled with your wife at which they all laughed and we joined we gained the beach jumped into his little boat pulled off to his vessel and in a few minutes were under way with a strong tide and a fair wind we were soon clear of the scheldt and the next morning a cutter hove in sight we steered for her ran under her lee o'brien hailed for a boat and eustace receiving my bill for the remainder of his money wished us success we shook hands and in a few minutes found ourselves once more under the british pennant End of chapter twenty five